Happy Friday and welcome to a new episode of This Week in Apps, a weekly no-fluff data first roundup of interesting news and trends about mobile apps and games. Ariel from Figures here and I have five highlights for you today. And we'll open this week's roundup by looking at a company I wasn't actually too familiar with until it went public this week. That company is Toast and it's got software that helps run restaurants. Sounds kind of boring, I know. But in addition to managing restaurants, Toast is also competing with companies like Seamless with its Toast takeout app. Now, unlike other IPOs I've covered in the podcast recently, Toast shares rallied on Wednesday when it IPO'd, growing 50% over the IPO price of 40 bucks, And that was already higher than the expected price of 34 I can't really say that for a lot of IPOs. So let's see if the app had anything to do with it. Looking at our download estimates, I think the answer is a clear yes. Pre-pandemic, Toast Takeout had about 2,000 downloads every week, and that number peaked around October of 2019 to maybe 5,000 or around 5,000, but it dropped right after. Then lockdown started, and almost immediately, the demand for food-related apps grew with it. Toast weekly downloads rose to 25,000 in April, and even though they dropped since, the trend over the last year has been very positive. Last week, Toast saw 18,000 downloads. It's worth noting that other apps in the same segment saw a similar up and down, albeit at a slightly higher number or slightly higher range. But so far in 2021, Toast has seen seen almost twice the downloads of Seamless, with more than 567,000 downloads in the US, according to our estimates. Now, there's a twist, a little bit of a twist. I have said Seamless, and I did not say food delivery, and I did not say Uber Eats, and I did not say any of those that I normally talk about, because Toast doesn't actually deliver food. Toast only connects between you, the hungry person, and the restaurant. And if they have delivery people, they will deliver it to you, or you can go pick it up. That's exactly what Seamless does, and Seamless is immensely successful. So um, they're not really comparable, and they're not really competition, but it goes to show that even though Toast is seen as a company that manages restaurants and uh, restaurant software, they're really creating a distribution channel for these restaurants or a promotion channel for these restaurants who are now needed because everything happens in-app first, as I always say. So they're not competing with Uber Eats yet. They might now that they've IPO'd and they have more money. Who knows? But it's a very interesting trend to look at, in my opinion. Next up is Pokemon Unite, which landed in the App Store and Google Play this week after debuting on Nintendo Switch in July. The title immediately took over the top rank in the U.S. App Store, dethroning TikTok for three days straight and counting. It's still there. But there's nothing really interesting to look at because it just appeared at number one. So I don't really even have a nice chart to look at. So I switched to the top grossing charts to see if it's actually making money. And I, in my mind, it was like, well, if... Pokemon is behind something. There's got to be a lot of money. It's got to be number one. And it's not number one. And it's not even close, actually. Right now, Pokemon Unite is 44th in the GameStop grossing category and 79th overall. And actually dropped a little since I I got these numbers. It's held both of these ranks since yesterday. And we estimate that that translates into somewhere between $300,000 and $450,000 of net revenue in the U.S. App Store since launch. It's not a lot. It's not a little. The question is why. So I did some reading, and um, when the title launched on the Switch, gamers could buy power-ups that boosted their in-game abilities. Some might call that cheating, but it generated revenue. No one likes cheaters, though. So for the mobile release, the producers went on on their own website and specifically stated 
that this release would level the playing field, their own words, uh, which I take to mean players will be able to win without having to buy these additional uh, boosters. And I think that's what is causing this revenue to not grow or not just explode overnight. As much as I want to see high revenue growth, I actually much prefer the strategy which will give long-term sustainability to this game. What do you think? And next, this is an interesting one. We tweeted a stat earlier in the week that surprised many people, and that's that the share of paid apps, the ones you have to pay for before you get them, has reached very low single digits. I didn't think anyone would care about this because that's kind of expected at this point. And I was actually just a tiny bit surprised the number was so low. And it's just, it's really, really, really tiny. Now, I've been saying for the last 10 plus years, if you know me, that the friction that comes with paid apps is huge. And any chance that you can to reduce it, you should take it. So let's look at the numbers. Of the 1,878,916 iOS apps available in the App Store right now, only 11, only 100,011, 827 are paid. That's just 5.95%. Now, I usually round all these numbers. That's why I'm having a hard time here. But the precision here actually makes sense because if we start rounding these, the numbers are going to be so tiny. And so, and, and it will make a big difference. So we're going to stick to very long numbers. Hopefully, I don't send you away. Um, Google Play is pretty much the same. There are 4,077,118 apps and games that you can download right now. And of those, only 149,886 are actually paid. So that's 3.68%, even smaller if we thought we can reach this low. And this is the lowest share that it's ever been that I've ever seen it. And all things considered, I don't see that changing anytime soon. I think it's actually not changing in the positive direction. It's just going to disappear slowly because more companies that are still on the paid model from just years ago will eventually realize that they're leaving a lot of money on the table. There's just a lot of waste. So what's the alternative? Alternative is in-app purchases and most likely subscriptions at this point. So more numbers. There are 233,857 free apps with in-app purchases or subscriptions on the App Store and 269,039 on Google Play, which translates to just about 13.23% and 6.85% respectively. A lot of numbers and a lot of significant digits, but what it means is that there are more apps with in-app purchases and subscriptions than paid apps. Makes sense, right? More than double, actually. But that's still kind of low, honestly, all things considered. So. Let's think about why that number can be very low. One of the, probably the major uh, problem here or challenge here is that many apps monetize with ads. Now, it doesn't mean that they're actually making enough money with ads or as much as they could have made if they had in-app purchases or subscriptions, but they do, and that's what it is. Now, also on Google Play, some apps can monetize outside of the store without having to sue, and many apps who can do that actually do that. The other option is some apps are really clients for platforms. Our app is an example. Our app is a client for the app figures platform. You don't have to pay for it in app. You're already paying us on the web and you're just using the app to see your data. And lastly, the thing we have to talk about is some apps just straight up sell data. They sell usage data. So it makes sense for them to be free 
because they need more and more and more people to use them. Now, Apple is trying to combat it with uh, app tracking transparency and very strict permissions around location data, which those companies love to consume. But they still do. They still work. And some people still do it. Whether that's good or bad is a whole other thing for a whole other day, but that happens. So there are many other reasons for apps to not be free or to be free and not have a monetization model that makes sense. Now, so what? You know, that's probably the question you're asking. A lot of apps are free. A lot of apps are using in-app purchases, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think the real thing here is that simple, quote unquote, the just charge some money and move on with life. It just no longer cuts it when it comes to making money with apps or even with games. It did for many years. And that's why if you've been around for long enough, you know that in the beginning, super easy. Even up until maybe four or five years ago, you could have made a significant amount of money. But those days are behind us. And I think that's actually a good thing because it means that there's maturity and it means that users are willing to pay in-app, whether it's a subscription or a consumable in-app purchase. And that's what you want because that's how you get sustainability. I've been talking about subscriptions even before Apple introduced them for years and years and years. And many people have told me you should not charge a subscription. No one will pay you. To which I said, we'll see. And I think now you can see that it actually works. So it's going to take some time. And I think eventually we'll see more and more developers who are abandoning the paid upfront model. And maybe in some cases, maybe in a, there is a future in which there are no paid apps anymore. Now, then you can start thinking, what about these really super professional types of apps and utilities and things that could do well with a paid upfront model and don't actually require a subscription because they're a one-time purchase in, in ways. Um, those can still exist with in-app purchases. It just reduces the friction and it makes it easier to get the app. It makes it easier to test the app. I don't really see any downside to making your app free with in-app purchase, in purchases. It just gives you more flexibility. So I think paid apps are dead. They served us well. Goodbye. Speaking of money, lots and lots of money. Twitch has been the top revenue generator for creators in-app for a long, long time. I spoke about it last year, and I spoke about it earlier this year, and I shared a whole bunch of numbers. Um, it was one of the first to enable the ability to pay creator within the app, and it has a really loyal and large user base, which helped it cement its position in the top grossing charts. But TikTok's user base is also large and also loyal, and as of very recently, more willing to reward creators. I've talked about TikTok's revenue more than once, probably more than Twitch even in the last few months. And that's because it just grows at a super fast speed. I want to ignore it, but I can't. And as a reminder, the revenue we see for TikTok, the revenue that I can talk about from our estimates, comes from users buying in-app currency to give creators. It has nothing to do with, it, with its ad business. That happens outside of the App Store, so we have no visibility into it. So for most of 2021, Twitch has been earning three to five times more than TikTok in the US across the App Store and Google Play. But in May, May of this year, TikTok's revenue started growing at, well, TikTok pace. That's the only way I can say it. They cut the difference to just about two times within a few weeks and then got very close in July. By the end of August, TikTok was earning the same as Twitch, which is about three million and change every week. And that's net revenue in the US. So net meaning after Apple and Google get their cut. And the reason I use net is because now the cut can be 15% or 30%, depending on a variety of, of other things that I don't even want to get into. Um, and so net really is what they get to keep. And I think that makes the most sense in this case. 
Now, that was August. By the end of September, which is now, TikTok is well ahead, having brought in $5 million last week versus Twitch's $3.5 million. The two aren't competing. So if that's what's going on in your head and you're saying, what is this guy talking about? Um, they're not competing, but they kind of are. So Twitch is for gamers and TikTok is for everyone else. The way they stream is different and the way the reason why you would go on it is very different. So no, they're not really competitors. I'm mainly using them because they both do something very similar and that is give users the ability to pay creators. Now, Twitter is jumping on this bandwagon with uh, super follows that we looked at over the last few weeks. And now they announced that they're gonna do something exactly the same with Bitcoin, which um, is weird if you look at the implementation, but I'm probably gonna talk about that next week. But TikTok and Twitch are really the only, the, the biggest ones who do this. So they're easy to compare and I think it makes sense to look at it really to see the sheer scale of TikTok, this unbelievable scale of TikTok. But there's also another side to this, and that is attention is finite. We don't have infinite hours. If we did, I would probably do more podcasts. Um, but the odds of someone being on TikTok and Twitch at the same time and giving enough attention to both, enough that they would want to reward the creators that they're watching, that's, that's kind of small at this point. You either do one or the other. Um, and in a sense, really any service that captures views, be it a more direct competitor to TikTok like YouTube or a less direct one like HBO Max, they're all competing at the end of the day. And, and soon enough, I think that TikTok will be outpacing all of those. So something to keep an eye on. I'll keep an eye on a lot of things, as you can probably tell if you listen to the podcast. Last for this week is a trend I kind of talk about at the end of almost every podcast and uh, for a while now, and you can see it across a bunch of industries. And if you've been following this, you've been following the podcast, you know where I'm going with this. Apps are now becoming the place where things begin. There used to be an app for that, and now it's apps are everything, and there's something else for that. And an easy way to visualize this trend is to look at something that kind of had to move virtually during lockdown, and that's dating. I've looked at dating before, and I've looked at specific apps, and I've looked at them combined, and I'm doing that again because the numbers are pretty pretty astonishing. Even as things, as, as things have reopened, and people are out and about, and I see them outside in the street, dating app revenue is growing faster than ever before. According to our estimates, the top five dating apps in the US saw net revenue grow by 29% in Q3 with a collective haul of $321 million in the US. And that's net revenue again, so that's after they handed Apple and Google just about $90 million in fees. And most of that went to Apple because most of that revenue comes from the App Store. And that's up from Q2's combined net revenue of $250 million. These numbers are insane. And again, that's in the US across both stores. And that was 12% higher than Q1. You get the idea. The, the top five apps that I'm looking at here include Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, Plenty of Fish and Match. So you at least know a few of those names and they're big. And, and that's where all of this is coming from. But I went a little bit deeper and I wanted to see where the specifically um, where this money is coming from. So I looked at the monthly revenue for all of these apps over time. And a lot of it came in August and in September. And I know September isn't over, so I, I did some forecasting to make sure that I have actual data that makes sense uh, because it is relevant here. In August, the, this uh, top five group 
hit a new milestone. They crossed 100 million in net revenue in the US, according to our app intelligence. And according to our forecast, we expect September to bring in 129 million in net revenue in the US. That's crazy growth. We're heading into the cold season, and that's been great for revenue growth in previous years. I can only imagine what it would be like this year. We'll see that in a few months. And that's it for me. Hopefully you enjoyed everything that I shared. If you do and you're not already subscribed to the podcast, please do. If you are, please tell all your friends. That's how we get more listeners and that's how I get more feedback. And I love that. If you want to get insights like these, but for any other app, head on to appfigures.com slash intelligence to get that for yourself. And I'll just say happy Friday. I'll see you next week.